slash and cast. Live, welcome fiends to Handle with Scare, presented by the Slashing Cast Podcast Network. Our show discusses horror movies and the phobias that they emphasize. With me tonight, as always, are both of my co-hosts, Holly Hooch and John. And guys, here we are tonight, start of a new month. We got a new phobia, and uh, one of the few musicals that uh, we'll be covering on the podcast. But definitely a great way to kick things off here. I like how you say one of the few musicals. Like only a few will sneak by. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Well, we, of course, just somewhat recently did uh, the genetic opera. Right. So that would, if you have you guys done any mu- musicals before that? I don't think so, actually. Nope. There aren't that many horror musicals. You know, Sweeney Todd. I was thinking about it today when I was watching it. I feel like Thanksgiving could have been a musical if you really wanted to. I mean, it, it is <laughs> oh, a we- stage musical, right? <laughs> Yeah, we, they, there was like a college production of it, yeah. Oh, and isn't there a a stage uh, reanimator musical, <gasps> I think, too? That's cool. But it's only been on stage, from what I understand. I like musicals more than rock operas, I'm sorry. Oh! And then, of course, Evil Dead stage musical as well. Evil Dead 2, I think. Look at that, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a few, just not too many, like, mainstream ones. No, no. And I was kind of wondering because this movie is 1986 and I was wondering, I was kind of, I don't know a lot about musicals. I'm not a big musical person, but I feel like this might be one of the earliest or one of the first sort of pop musicals where it became okay to make music, big budget sort of Broadway musicals about more kind of pop culture-y stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like we would get like Monty Python, the, you know, their Holy Grail musical, I forget what that's called. Uh, but this... Uh, Life of Brian, know, no. Ho- yes? Yeah. Um, I can't, they, there was a famous musical for the Monty Python Holy Grail movie. Oh, never mind, okay. Kinda, uh, but, um, but yeah, no, and, you know, because musicals up to this were kind of like... Uh, you know, the just the trident, the old like Broadway ones. You mean like nothing like yeah, that's sort of the you know West Side Story kind of shit. Okay, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Like it's all kind of like traditional musical theater, yeah, you know. Okay. And then you get this movie coming out, you know, and it's about it's based on a B horror, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tried watching just like a, a generic, you know, Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, it, I I couldn't make it through. <laughs> there's there's one like that was the original, well, not the original, but there was one that was I believe it was a either an 80s or 70s release, and it wasn't a musical. It was just straightforward, you know, movie, and it wasn't a comedy. And I was very disappointed. And I think I only watched <laughs> about 10 minutes before I gave up. I might try again later after the after this recording, but so far no go. <laughs> 
And of course, this also spawned like a cartoon series too, which is really off kilter for oh. how dark of a, a musical this actually is. But uh, you know, originally the ending, the ending to the movie was a lot darker than what they actually yeah. went through with because of the testing screenings. Because initially, like the way it, that it ended is, you know, Audrey uh, and the offspring from Audrey eventually just take over the world. Uh, but they didn't go with that at all. Because uh, even like in the musical itself. Uh, for the stage production, you basically uh, have Audrey and uh, the guy getting killed at the end. And even like that's even a little bit darker than the route that they ended up going with for the film. You know, I never knew that there was another ending until I was I was recently. Well, you know, I recently watched it and I was just kind of looking up other information about it. And there was another review that I caught where it had the alternate ending. And I was like, what? was I fucking drunk? Like, why don't I remember any of this? So I went back and I dug around and I found the, uh, the original and yeah, to your point to you, it was, um, I think it was test audiences in San Jose and LA were really upset by the ending. It just did not test well. And so they decided to go with the happy ending. And I have to admit, like, one of the first things I was going to say during this review was how, when I started watching that movie, I immediately started getting like this warm and fuzzy feeling like I hadn't watched it since I was a little kid and even then like I think I only watched bits bits and pieces like you do as a kid with ADHD and uh <laughs> I I really enjoyed it I had such a nice time and then to see like the, the original ending like it was such a gut punch it was so sad yeah it did so I'm guessing you guys the version you watched is the director's cut right. Yeah, yeah. I don't think what's interesting is it seems like I think that's the, the normal version yes. now if you stream mm -hmm. it. I don't think they show that you can see the original. No, I actually had to dig but, around for it. And I only was able to see, I mean, like the 11-minute ending. And then I had to watch another uh, YouTube video with just the Audrey death, uh, the death scene where she, mm -hmm. uh, you know, asked to be fed back to, to to the plant, to Audrey too. So that was, that was mm -hmm. nuts. Nice. Yeah, I... I had forgotten the original ending, so I had to YouTube and, and watch you know, a video that showed the original ending, which I completely forgot. Yeah, about. it's but, so sad. <laughs> and, I'm a, and I'm a big girl, but even I got really sad. It's funny. I don't want to jump ahead, you know, go through this, of course. But uh, it's funny, though, because the person who posted the original on YouTube, the original ending, pointed out that it was kind of a little bit, the the happy ending is a little bit weird because Rick Moranis' character is literally a murderer, yeah. <laughs> but he gets a happy ending. And so it's a little bit strange, but that audience, you know, demanded the happy ending. I mean, they could have gone with a se separate happy ending. Like maybe he's, yeah, he's a murderer and he kills the plant and then he goes to jail and then Audrey visits him every day for like, I don't know, the rest of their lives or something stupid like that. That'd be kind of cute too. But mm -hmm. I mean, killing off Audrey was like, I think that was a big part where you're like, come on. And then on top of that, like world domination. <laughs> that was oh. mm -hmm. But it's a great ending. It's a great it is, ending. It is. It's a strong of... ending and it's a sensible yeah, ending. Yeah. And I think this is the very first time we've opened the show with just going right to the ending. Well, I mean, they they kind of had to kill Audrey off because otherwise she would have ran out of puppeteers. They were already using up to like 60 puppeteers during like the final form of the mm -hmm. puppet, which is just crazy to think about. But that's like one of the reasons why I really like this movie. Obviously, this was directed by 
uh, Frank Oz, who himself was a puppeteer. He also did a lot of the Muppet stuff. Uh, and you even had like a lot of the uh, Henson siblings uh, who were working on the film as well. You know, we have the daughter who plays one of the dentist patients who gets to, you know, visit Steve Martin, <laughs> has like the whole like, uh, like mouth brace or whatever. Um, and then, you know, one of the sons also uh, was one of the main puppeteers for the movie. But all in all, like this movie holds up extremely well. Uh, <laughs> and even like the original, uh, which was a, a recorded movie, it was basically done essentially off of, like, a lost bet uh, where, you know, they basically, like, made that movie in a couple of days, which is wow. ridiculous to think about for the original version. I'm going to have to go check that out. So many Roger Corman movies in, yeah. in the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And Frank Oz is, of course, also Yoda. Uh, he pup- puppeteers Yoda and I think does his voice, I believe, mm-hmm. in Star Wars, which is cool. But, um, yeah, the movie definitely holds up. It's not, there's, excuse me, (laughs) there's a couple of things that I was thinking if they made it today that they would probably shy away from a little bit because tonally, I feel like nowadays movies have to be more kind of tonally on a single track, basically, and that this movie... it goes full on with the horror and full on, you know, with the comedy and the musical part. And some of the, as you mentioned, some of the dark parts are pretty dark and like the subject matter and the way it's depicted, it gets pretty dark, you know, even right in the very beginning of the movie, when we're, you know, introduced to the main uh, character, I forget what her name is. The yeah, Audrey, of course, right, obviously. Uh, and she has a black yeah. eye, you know, right in the very beginning. And it's, and it's very open with that, st- you know, with, like, the abuse that she's getting from uh, the dentist character, <laughs> Steve Martin. Sorry, I was just... And that could... Oh, no, I was just laughing because he's so great in that. But you're right. I mean, like, they they kick it off with uh, the song about living on Skid Row and, and, like, just extreme, you know, Mm -hmm. being so poor and downtrodden. And and then uh, Audrey's getting beaten by her boyfriend and Rick Moranis is an orphan or at least, you know, grew up in an orphanage. And, and yeah, (laughs) it's, it's, yeah, when you think about it, it's actually a pretty sad movie, but they do such a good job of, like, inserting the comedy in it that you kind of, like, you, you kind of don't feel it that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. The tone of the movie right off the bat is really, like, I think also it, it works because it's so kind of cartoony and right. doesn't, obviously doesn't take place in the real mm-hmm. world. It's an extremely kind of stylized world that it takes place in. And it felt like a play. Like, sometimes when they make Nowadays, when they make movie versions of musicals or of stage plays, they make a point of making it very uh, realistic and cinematic the way that movies are. But this felt like they were almost filming the play. You know, the way that the sets, they had only a few sets, like two or three sets. That street set that had the painted background and everything. And they always use that same section of the street set. Uh, it felt well. Then, of course, then you've got the muses coming in every other scene and 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 doing a number, which was really really fantastic. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, with uh, 
what's uh, I'm blanking on Martin, their names, but and it's, uh, yeah, from oh, Martin shoot. TV show, <laughs> and also uh, from House Tisha yes. Campbell, uh, also of House Party mm-hmm. fame, which is a great comedy <laughs> movie from the nineties. Uh, but yeah, no, I definitely recognized both of them. Um, they're great. Kind of the Greek chorus. So whatever happened to Rick Moranis, man? So last time I heard, he got punched in the face in a subway, which was so sad to hear. Because I do, I mean, I don't even think that probably the dude didn't recognize him as Rick Moranis, just was punching some dude in a subway. I think he retired. I, I know he retired mm. from acting, but that's such a bummer. I had like, I don't know, such a huge crush on him when I was a kid. Yeah, I don't know, but I can't think of recent anything recent he's nope. done, right? I mean, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> uh, hey, look it up. I, a, what's, what's, what's going on with Rick Moranis? How come he's not around? In the meantime, I can say, um, check out my very nice background. I'm currently in my folks' home. This is my parents' spare bedroom. And I'm going to spare you the crucifix that's on this wall. But <laughs> Nice. But uh, so Rick Moranis and a lot of the oh, Holly Frozen, hopefully. Oh, there you go. You're back. Uh, so uh, Rick Moranis and a lot of the actors in this movie are from SCTV. I noticed I used to watch that show as a kid. It's kind of like Canada's Saturday Night Live. And uh, like Eugene Levy comes mm-hmm. from there and John Candy, who's in this movie. And uh, Rick Moranis, of course, and I think there's a couple other people in this movie who come from that world, uh, which is, it seemed like an intentional casting thing because there were so many people from that show cast in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like uh, Nick Moranis was initially signed on to do like a sequel to Honey, Shrunk the Kids, uh, but it's been like in development hell, essentially. Mm. But he'd, mm. he'd have gone on like a long hiatus for a while because he didn't do anything for like 20 plus oh. years. I'm sure he's living off the Honey, I Shrunk the oh, Kids yeah. money. Mm-hmm. Well, what else has he been fine. in? Is, uh, well, he was in Ghostbusters and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. There's a bunch of... I feel like there's way more than that. Strange yes. Brew, <laughs> which is another great uh, comedy from the 80s. Uh, the he, he was oh, Barney. Yeah, nice. Flintstones, Barney. <laughs> nice. Yeah, he's really good. That Honey, I the Kids was a really big hit. That was a huge... And that, that was, I believe, also strangely written by Stuart Gordon, I believe, who wrote Reanimator. What? And from beyond is also wrote Honey, I Shrunk the Dude's Kids. fucking range. I know. It's an interesting trivia. <laughs> I didn't get any real good trivia from this movie. But, right, so, I mean, I don't know. How did you... What was the last time you guys watched this movie? God, when, like, when I was a kid. And what were mm-hmm. your, what were your yeah, reactions same. watching it as an adult? Oh, I had an absolute right? blast throughout the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's extremely good. I get it's funny because I didn't like it as much when I was younger. I was kind of like, yeah, whatever. it's cool, like whatever, and then kind of moved on from it till it wasn't like, you know, as a younger guy, it was just kind of like, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but it's it was good. I recognized it was good. But as an adult, I can appreciate it. You a were lot like a more. preteen when it came Definitely. out, and you're like, just stupid. I'm a grown mm-hmm. person. 
I don't need to be watching puppets. <laughs> I, I can't get over how uh, incredible uh, Audrey 2 is, the puppet. Like, that's insane. Like, I I found myself, like, straight up. Because, you know, these days with so much, like, you know, uh, CGI and special effects, it's nothing nothing uh, gives me a sense of wonder anymore because I've been giving, I've been given so much that I absolutely just take everything at face value and be like, Oh yeah. Uh, Not, not that I would believe anything is real and not CGI, you know, but I'm just saying like, I'm not surprised by anything anymore. So to see, and then remembering that there, the technology wasn't there to, to make things easy, that everything had to be done the hard way and the creative way. That thing is fucking amazing. Mm. It's just incredible. And then with the voice of Levy Stubbs, yeah. I mean, holy shit, like that voice fills a room. So, yeah, I was really happy to watch it again. Like I said, it just gave me the warm and fuzzies the entire time. And it was it was really and again, I was happy that I watched it with the uh, theatrical release ending the first, and then later went back and watched the, uh, the really sad one. <laughs> yeah, he's great. I love how in the credits it. it names him and then it says from the four tops <laughs> it actually points out you way, know what group in case he you was missed in. it which i looked up his wikipedia too cuz i wanted to see if i recognized him from anything which i didn't really cuz I, I don't listen to the four tops i mean i know the four tops and i've heard a lot of their hits but don't know him that well but he was in a ton of groups uh kind of like famous and near famous groups like before the four tops and during you know that time but he was a really active singer mm-hmm. yeah his voice work is great in the and i was and this was also like the first like musical number that had a swear word yeah. in it too and then it even got uh, nominated for the really? academy awards fortunately it didn't win because that lost like one of the top gun was it songs. was it when he said Oh, I was oh uh, also surprised when he said, uh, no shit, Sherlock. And I was like, is that where it comes from? Mm-hmm. Holy crap. I spent like a whole like six months of my childhood <laughs> saying that to, you know, to everybody's annoying. Yeah, I wonder if that's where the popularity of it came from. Probably, uh, yeah. Yeah, has to be. But yeah, the, the, and, son, the son in question was the uh, big green mm. mother. Hmm. And it felt, it, the fact, the opening of the movie and the opening song and everything, it, yeah, it also reminded me a lot of Rocky right. Horror Picture Show because it has that same kind of the fifties rock and roll with the horror, the B yeah. horror theme. So it almost felt like they were kind of in. The well, same Rocky universe. Horror came out in what, like seventy seven? So it's only a, a few seven. years in between, and of course, you've got your meat love character that's just like Steve Martin, or vice versa. Which, incidentally, mm-hmm. I don't usually oh, yeah. go for bad boys, but I have to admit, I thought that Steve Martin's character was really hot. <laughs> Even though it was so evil. I don't know why. Yeah, I didn't, it's funny. I was thinking of Rocky Horror, but I didn't make the connection with the, exactly loaf, the, same character. the motorcycle riding bad boy. Well, actually, no, yeah, they're the same character, basically. Because I think in... in mm-hmm. And they right. play the same role. Always on a motorcycle. Story, Although basically. I was all the little tidbits, all the little details of the movie were so endearing. Like the fact that he jumps off his motorcycle before he stops, and the motorcycle like parks itself. Oh my <laughs> it god! Keeps going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or that. The the only thing I could keep thinking of though is whenever like Audrey's on the back of the bike, she's like sitting yes, like to the side. I was like, who the fuck sits on the motorcycle really like that? Really tight pencil skirt. She can't like open up her legs. She's got to do like these tiny little hop. Yes. <laughs> but like at one, 
she would have to yeah, pull it all the way up. Like she mm-hmm. falls off the bike and he yells at her for doing that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, she her character reminded me so much. This is her character is the original, but in Mars That's Attacks, right. uh, Sarah- you know right. Sarah Jessica Parker's character. It's it's they're like almost the same character in that. She's kind of like channeling like oh, Marilyn wow. Monroe vibes because she's got that really sweet mm-hmm. ultra feminine voice. Which incidentally, like I loved that i mean like the whole like persona is really great the again super ultra feminine but to have that super high squeaky voice and then when she breaks into song it to go into a really full heavy like lower lower range mm-hmm. like voice really great and i don't even um, i don't know if she was a real singer i don't t can we look up the singers <laughs> well she she was the only person that returned from like the off-broadway show was her character well and i heard a thing i saw a thing that said that I think they do sing like Rick Moranis sings and that uh, I saw a thing that they didn't check whether Rick Moranis could sing when they cast him and then luckily he was able He's to like sing a big too, so it does <laughs> yeah <laughs> well they probably figured we'll just overdub right. him with somebody well, else's also, voice and also a lot of the guys singing sing. like, Steve, like Steve Martin and whatnot like they're it's they're using their own like the it's uh, the, their own charisma, their own sort of personalities in the voice. It's not like they're being operatic singers. They're not being like you know, really, um, um, really, uh, really well trained singers. Except for Ellen Green, who just fucking kills it every time. I've been really cursy today. Sorry, guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's like it's like rock mm-hmm. and roll style, so they can kind of sing it like that, and they don't have. It's not like opera or. Mm-hmm. Something or classical, but yeah, it, it, I think everyone is. In fact, I think they overdubbed the entire movie because it really felt sort of that unnatural. You know, when you watch like a Sergio Leone movie where people are speaking English but they're overdubbing it anyways because there's a lot of Italian accents that they're getting rid of. This movie kind of did that, and I think probably because of the music and the musical aspect of it but i think they were overdubbing everyone for the entire thing because it kind of had that weird feel to it but i was also and i do i do love to just like the basic setup of like how they get audrey to in the first place (laughs) because you know he's just buying it at like some like a local shop nearby from like the chinese man very gremlins oh yeah that's right sense (laughs) And Gremlins came out when, like, yeah, mm, actually, yeah, I was right say, around the same time. Wouldn't have been earlier. No, that's that's a trope. That's oh. like a story trope. It's like mm-hmm. the monk. It's like the monkey paw thing. You know, mm-hmm. the person wanders into the weird curio shop, and there's the monkey paw, or there's whatever, and they mm-hmm. buy it, and then so weird that's kind of like happens. fetishizing the foreign yep. kind of thing. You know, mysterious. You know, east. Or whatever. They, <laughs> they literally put the word exotic on the store window. And I was like, oh, that's <laughs> like, uh, that's like liter- a little on the nose. And they used the font, the made up, uh, like Asian <laughs> font for the, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, which in very 80s. That was, that was a really popular font <laughs> in the 80s. But yeah, it, I had that same thought that it was like, 
the, the same, it, but it was the fact that it was specifically mm-hmm. like that kind of shop. It was mm-hmm. pretty much exactly like uh, Gremlins. <laughs> but I, I, the funny thing is, is I thought they were going to go a different direction with the origin because I had completely forgotten how they got the plant. And there's a thing early on when they introduced the old guy, mm-hmm. the owner of the store, and he's reading a newspaper, and it says how there's going to be an eclipse. Oh, soon. right. On the, the the headline of the newspaper. And I thought it was going to be like a thing where there was an eclipse and then it like falls out of the sky since it's an alien, essentially, you know, spoilers. It's an <laughs> alien from another place. I mean, presumably, I guess since it comes from the shop, it could be some kind of supernatural earthly creature. But well, it, it was, right? Like it I mean, so they alien. give the script. Um, at the beginning of the movie, right, about otherworldly things, and then the movie starts. He already has the plant with him, and then um, then he goes back into telling how it was that he found it. And in the retelling, it was like a, a light from above. A green light came and zapped the, the little spot where it kind of turned up, so basically delivered it in some sort of, like, you know, mm-hmm. light ray. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of like... Uh... Just like the standard kind of like some hand wavy, like, uh, like there's some yeah. stuff and then it's there. <laughs> it's like, it's like, uh, right. Night of the Living Dead, you know, it's like, oh, they just, they're just out of their grave and they're walking around. Like, I don't know. There's a comet right, or and something. And there's that little part over. where like he kind of sees a comet. So he walks across or he walks up to the street and there's these guys that are like, you know, kind of uh, singing and, you know, snapping their fingers, right? Or something. And then he goes to like, you know, take up a, a fifth spot, a spot behind them as he's noticing the comment. But I thought that was adorable. Where he's like, "Oh, I'll go sing as well." <laughs> By the way, I for, I think you already said this, T, in the introduction. But we did talk. We did talk about the fact that this is the fear of plants month, right? I we, forgot I to mention that, but you know, we, we ended it with the uh, with that on the last episode. But yes, we are doing uh, botanophobia, which is the fear of phobia. Okay, yeah, no, I just I thought we might have skipped that, and I just wanted to bring that up because you know, as we kind of talk about the plant and its alien origin and everything, you know, I wanted to bring up the idea, the fact that fear of plants, not okay. Not trying to diminish for all of you out there who may have a genuine fear of plants. I feel like a fear of plants is like the most minor (laughs) fear of all, unless you maybe live like in the Amazon and then fearing plants is legitimate because they can actually kill you there. But fear of plants is kind of a funny one. You know, it's sort of random. And so I like the fact that maybe of all, you know, spoilers for the month, but I, I'm wondering, I'm going to make this prediction that this may be the only plant that's actually genuinely a threat. Like, you feel like this thing could actually take over the world and, and could, do, you know, dominate the planet. In the original ending. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it really is scary and threatening, you know, even when it's little and it wants the blood from him and he's feeding it with his, by cutting his fingers and it gets older and more demanding. Like it's really, you know, uh, a threat, you know, you can, it's actually kind of intimidating. Only after it seems it's show tunes. Which, you know, if I had a plan mm-hmm. that I might feed it some blood. 
<laughs> Which, again, you know, to we, you know, talk about how Rick Moranis' character makes bad decisions. He does. He's not necessarily like a really heroic. He's a good guy, but he makes some really bad decisions. And the feeding the blood, like you would think, at a certain point, because he cuts all his fingers. There's a yeah. scene where he has bandages on all of his fingers. Because he's been feeding well, it so much of his blood. Where he, goes his to see, where he goes to the radio station for, for that, to show off the plant and have the promotion. Oh, and that's the, the John Candy scene. Mm. There's a scene where the plant wants to take a bite out of, like, one of the uh, radio radio crews. Like, the secretary's butt. Like, she's bending butt. over, and she's wearing a red skirt, so it kind of has, like, a very Apple-like, you know-esque sort of look to it. And the plant's trying to take a bite, and Rick Moranis is shutting its mouth and holding it back. That should have been a really big red flag, I think, but not for Rick. <laughs> not for Seymour. I know. One of the things, it seems like one of the themes of this movie is, because I was kind of trying to, I like to kind of think about, like, what is the kind of, what is this movie saying, like, as a kind of general thing? And it feels like some of this movie is kind of about how, you know, Rick Moranis' character is poor and he lives in Skid Row and this is kind of his way out. Like he, he, it's like fit his shortcut to fame kind of thing. And, and so it's the plant sort of helps him to become famous. Uh, or is he thinks, you know, cause the plant's really popular and everyone wants to know about it. And so it's kind of like, he's willing to put up with the bad side cause he knows where he wants that fame and notoriety. It's kind of, you know, as we like to joke in other episodes, uh, besides the uh, man is the real monster. In this case, (laughs) in this case, man is not, well, maybe, I don't know, is the real monster. But the other one is that, uh, oh God, I'm losing my train of thought. I'm having an old person moment. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, what was Sorry, I just saying? You know how, I was saying like, how... The ticket out of the slums was... Uh... <laughs> right, right. And so, uh, it was so, it's sort of, so it is sort of modern. It's sort of as timely today as it was when it was made, where it's kind of like, you know, internet fame and influencer fame, where you kind of have this shortcut, like, here's this thing that's all of a sudden going to blow me up and make me popular and get me money and get me out of my situation kind of thing. But it has this real you dark know, side. I'm a hard time. You know. Yeah, your morality has been in question. Mm-hmm. I'll say it's, it puts the, your right. like, morality in question. Oh, can you see John? Mm-hmm. Oh, I cannot. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to assume you're there. Anyway, <laughs> I was having a hard time with that, with the whole moral of the story <laughs> thing too, because I thought... Well, he has been a, a you know he's been a, a good man the, the throughout the first part of the movie and even when he feed I guess it's when he feeds Steve Martin to uh, to Audrey too but I don't know I wondered if it was because he never you know got his confidence naturally because he was always you know letting somebody bully him around whether it was I guess it wasn't his boss but it, it might have been a little bit his boss in life and and then uh, and then and then the plant. 
<laughs> but yeah, I was still having a hard time getting like my head around the, mo- mm-hmm. the moral of the story because him and Audrey, you're, you just kind of want them to be happy. And at the end, they, they are in the in mm-hmm. the, uh, the theatrical release, but I still don't really. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's just a sad movie. I I think uh, it, it, I've re- the, what you're saying makes me realize like I this is like a story thing that I've been kind of liking lately. I, uh, there's another story series I'm sure you guys have heard of, but I don't know if you've seen or read called death note, uh, which is a Japanese manga and it's an anime and it's a horror, uh, themed one. And it's about a kid who gets the, who gets a book that lets him basically kill people by writing their name in it. But this, so to connect it to Rick Moranis' character, I kind of like this. It's the kind of kind of complex right. thing where uh, you have a character that's an underdog and who's really like shit on by everybody around him and treated really badly. And he kind of starts doing things to sort of sort of bring himself up and kind of stand up for himself and become and sort of push back and you kind of root for him. You're like, yeah, like he's standing up for himself and he's, and he's pushing back against the bad guys. But then he starts to kind of take it a few steps too far Mm -hmm. where it's like, now you're not, it's like, well, should should I be rooting for this guy now? Cause like, I did want him to, you know, succeed and, and to kind of be the guy, the man, but uh, now he's killed, you know, the dentist and literally well, chopped him up with him. an axe. Well, he didn't kill him, so you get that moral ambiguity right there where that's <laughs> – and that's where – that's an easy transition, right, where he didn't kill him, but he did chop him up. But then he is definitely guilty of uh, of uh, Mushnik's, his boss's death. And but then again, the the whole moral ambiguity mm-hmm. because his boss is being a creep and 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 uh, trying to take advantage of him. So yeah, it's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, they were also like on the verge of losing their jobs too because they just weren't getting any business at their flower shop right. until Audrey too came along. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you know, you got guys coming in looking to buy a dozen roses, and then they can't break take you know hundreds. That they just oh, I guess I'll just have to double my order. Hmm. And yeah, it starts to give them, starts to help the shop mm-hmm. and bring them back. And by the way, the owner of the shop, when they introduced his character, the old man, and he's reading the newspaper and everything. And throughout the movie, I kept thinking he was John Goodman the whole time. And then yeah. I didn't remember he wasn't, you know, John Goodman from like the what Roseanne is- show. I saw yeah. him. He looks just like him. <laughs> I'm a big John Goodman fan. <laughs> I just wanted that for the further uh, uh, cool. connection. Um, yeah. I have to, I, <laughs> I really enjoyed how uh, the puppet that they used for Audrey too. at the, you know, at first, you know, when it was very obvious that the plant was growing. So when he first feeds it blood, it grows, it tears out of the, the aluminum can. And then, um, you know, so, you know, it keeps growing a little bit, but then later in the movie, it, they start making it really subtle. So in every scene, it starts getting just a tiny little bit bigger whether he's eaten or not, uh, until he's filled up the entire room. And that transition of, of going, uh, that transition of going like, you know, from that size all the way up, that's when like, I don't know, it it just kind of blew me away how, how slowly we're with that. 
Yeah, the animation of the mouth and the uh, the the of the plant is pretty crazy. I was I actually just recently by random chance saw a little documentary about the special effects of the movie and an interesting thing that they did is that you know the big Audrey Audrey is literally large you know wow. it's the actual size that it appears in the movie and yet the mouth is really active and animated and they couldn't actually accomplish it at that speed in real life and so they would play the song on set slower and animate the mouth slowly and then speed up the film in the post-production. So there, if you watch the movie, whenever there's a person in the same shot with the plant and the plants talking, if you look at the person, there's sort of a oh. weird sort of sped up quality to the way that they move. But that's kind of how, because when you look at it, the mouth yes. is moving at lightning speed. It's, you know, the animation and the, the articulation of it is so fast and on point with everything that is kind of amazing. It looks like CGI. It's so yeah, and those those were comments being made by some sort of they, there's a lot of videos out there of people uh, recording their own reactions to watching the movie for the first time, and there were a couple of people who swore that they thought that they saw like that that a uh, additional CGI had been added to it recently, but I mean I had no idea that that's how they did it. That's really amazing. Oh, these guys are really smart. Mm-hmm. And this was also like a very big budget for a musical, too. It was like $25 million to make, mm-hmm. which is unheard of yeah. for this type of movie. And Frank Oz was a pretty big-time director for a while there, too. He sort of I feel like he sort of gets overlooked in the modern era. Like people, I think people don't realize that he mm-hmm. did a lot of good movies, like... I'm pretty sure if I'm not, am I wrong in saying that he was the director of American Werewolf in London? That's, or no, does he, that was that's Joe, who no. directed American Werewolf in That was Landon. Oh, that's John Landis, right. But uh, he had some involvement in that. Oh, he's just in that movie, I think, as an actor. That's right. But I'm thinking of something else. Maybe I'm thinking of Labyrinth. Is that another Frank Oz movie? He's done a few movies that are cool. Basically, is my point. Well, he did like the Dark Crystal. He did a Uh, lot of the the Muppets. He did What About Bob? Nice. What About Bob? That's a random one. No puppets in that one or special effects. That's right. But there is Bill Murray. There is that. I have to say, it was like such teasers to put John Candy and Bill Murray in the movie for only like two minutes worth of of time. Although Bill Bill Murray's sequence Mm -hmm. was pretty ridiculously good, and I love the sort of like erotic undertones of <laughs> I guess they weren't undertones mm-hmm. they were overtones <laughs> yeah definitely over <laughs> yeah I mean <laughs> that was pretty great. blatant uh, <laughs> it was funny because it was played for a laugh it was sort of obviously played mm-hmm. for laughs in kind of a yeah. weirdly like wholesome way but it's like this is yes. this is a straight well, up like, king the, thing. The really <laughs> great part like was that he was thing. so chatty the entire time because he was trying his best to appear as normal as possible. So he's like just talking really mundane little, little things and getting super excited every time like a new tool comes out. What? And all that was oh added too, by Murray. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. 
<laughs> the yeah. mouthful of cotton when he's, he's like, spitting out all the cotton stuffing his yeah that part was blatantly <laughs> sexual when he's grabbing his shoulder so yeah definitely <laughs> oh that was great <laughs> get out of here pervert or sick out of camera what he calls him but that was great <laughs> Oh, but yeah, there's oh. also like a connection to Batman with like that the with the dentist character because in the original it was also played by Jack Nicholson really? who was like really young at the time and then they end up like yeah. using the same like dentistry equipment in Very cool. Batman. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Like the uh, tray of of the tools. Yeah, they have that in, that's right, in the, like, the surgery part of Batman when he's getting out of the surgeon, right? The, the tray of uh, the dental tools and surgery stuff, definitely. Oh, my God. What else was... Oh, yeah, it, I love the painting on the, the skin oh, texture yeah. on the plant, especially the young... Like, when he was in the waiting room for the radio show, the way that it's painted... And you can really tell it's an alien. I, I had only seen it, you know, on, I think, TV or VHS in the past and then watched it in HD. And really? you can see all this extra detail. There's, like, hexagon I, I watched it for free on TV. On it and <laughs> That's, it looked sure pretty good, HD, but, uh, from, I mean, it was still from the super Ray. sharp, but maybe that's just as, as good as I could get it. Definitely. But yeah, the, the story, I mean, the, the problem with the original ending versus, or sorry, the problem with the, I say original ending, meaning mm-hmm. the theatrical ending, not when really the original it's ending. It's called the happy ending the, versus the bad the, ending. Uh, the director's cut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, uh, it's great, though, because it makes the movie right. an alien invasion movie. Which the theatrical version is not by the way that the ending, you know, happens. And it's so genius because if you look at it just purely as an alien invasion story, it's an alien creature that's really cute and endearing and it makes people want to take care of it and help it. And then it grows up to the point where, you know, it can basically take you know, care of itself and start feeding itself and then it's going to take over the planet. They have that sort of like, you know, a little bit of a, a reference. That, well, I mean, in the in the sad ending, they had the whole, um, you know, uh, this, you know, this really sad, because, uh, you know, the, it eats Rick Moranis at the very end and then it goes on to the whole, like, alien invention, inv- invasion part. Excuse me. And uh, then the muses are keep talking about how this same story has been happening in some sort of iteration all around the planet because he wasn't the he, whether he was the first or not is irrelevant. He's one of many. So that was one of many instances of a plant being planted. <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, of, you know, amongst you know average looking <laughs> other flora, and then picked up and, and nursed into a larger size. And uh, so there's that reference in the in the sad ending. But then in the happy ending, at the very very end, of course, you've got like the little tiny plant again, the little tiny like Audrey two or Audrey three at this point in the yard of their perfect little, you know, idyllic mm-hmm. suburban home. So that was kind of, kind of like sort of a, a little wink at the, what could have been. Uh, in the, 
Do they have? Does the plant yeah. reappear in the? So in at the very very the end, so version? he carries her across oh, the threshold. They're walking into their picturesque little house that she dreams about during the movie. She has that little sequence where she <laughs> she talks about how much she wants a house, a tiny little house, and then it sort of uh, uh, starts to. Uh, it looks at their lawn, at their very front lawn, and among all of the other flowers, roses, or whatever, there's a tiny little Audrey too, like yeah, planted. Mm-hmm. Nice. I like uh, in the original, you know, mm-hmm. the end of the world version when they show the new the uh, the new plant that the other guy has duplicated. You know, he's cloned or whatever as uh, with. It smiles at uh, Rick Moranis, which I thought when they first showed it and, and we see it, I thought it was going to oh. do the little kissing, like uh, sucking thing like it did in the beginning. But uh, I liked the smile it does because it tells you that it has the same consciousness. Right. Well, it's a clipping, right? The so Audrey it's, uh, 2. It's, that, it's a piece it's, that was clipped from the original Audrey mm-hmm. 2. You know, in the... In the sad ending, mm-hmm. I think so like, it the knows. very best piece of it, or honestly the saddest part of it, was where it's got Rick Moranis all wrapped up, and it's very slowly putting it into its mouth. And by slowly, I mean very, very slowly. Like there's, It's so slow that you think at any minute there's going to be some sort of rescue. Until, and so there's a good solid, like at least like seven Mississippis, where he's just slowly getting put into the mouth, and then all of a sudden he's <laughs> in the mouth, Audrey too takes out its tentacles or whatever from being you know coiled around him, and then swallows and then spits out his glasses, and then the camera like stays on his broken glasses on the floor. That was the like man they tugged that heartstring mm-hmm. so fucking hard. <laughs> like, I, I was so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in in the stage production, he uh, Seymour basically has a knife, so when. Audrey too is like Whoa. eating him. He just guts Good her for basically him. from the inside. But like, it was still to the point where like he was being devoured and he ends up dying anyway. Pretty good. I Yikes. like that too. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and him feeding his girlfriend to mm-hmm. uh, you know feed, I forget what it, oh Audrey obviously uh, yeah. to the play is pretty messed up too. That's like pretty dark. I mean, I know she dies ahead of time, but still. But she dies ahead of time yeah. because of the fact that the plant tried to and eat And I guess we're just made, uh, led to assume yeah. that uh, her organs yeah. were crushed in the first attempt, and so she died. Because there wasn't a lot of blood or anything that I could remember. So, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't all that clear. I, yeah. thought, I totally thought she was going to live. Uh, There's a weird little um, the awkward edit theatrical. in the happy version where... You know, he takes her out and, and he's got her in her arms and she's talking about, like, not making it and then she actually makes it. So it was, you could tell where, like, the, the split was. We're like, well, at this point we're making it a happy ending, so we got to cut it here. <laughs> so I, I noticed a little bit of awkwardness there and I was like, oh, wait a minute, that's where they decided. I think if this movie had been made today, they would have allowed the original sad ending. I don't think they probably would have forced the, unless the only reason way they would have forced the happy ending is if it was like a uh, $200 million budget and it was like I, yeah. ILM doing all the effects or something like that. And some super famous lead well, actor who's like ultra famous 
you know, Chris Pratt. Well, I just, I don't know what it was about it that, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm usually not a, uh, it's usually not initial for me to, to see like a dramatic ending. And usually I rather enjoy those more than the happy endings because, you know, they're, they're typically like a little bit more surprising, you know, with your expectations going to the happy ending. But in this one, maybe because I wasn't aware that it existed. And I was already used to the happy ending in some way because I watched part of it growing up. And because I have Rick Moranis in it, like, I, yeah, I had a hard time. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But it's a great movie. Uh, definitely. Uh, 10 out of 10, know, for sure. 10 out of 10 kind of thing. <laughs> I remember it being a big hit. Back in the day when I was a kid, too, it was super popular. Yeah. I can imagine those uh, those test audiences being very upset. <laughs> I feel like, I, yeah, I would have probably said the same. It got like a 13% approval rating. When, when For the original it. ending. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the appropriate know. ending, the sad The ending. world sucks it, It's the logical, John. makes sense ending, but yeah. <laughs> But yeah, well, it's like you do want yeah, to have one more thing I wanted to mention. So I don't know if you guys ever watched the show Pushing, I think it was Pushing Up Daisies. No, it's a really, it's a, it's a musical. Yeah, I never well, saw that. Sort of a musical. I remember There's only that. one person that sings in it or maybe a couple of people, oh, but wow. the main, the lead and the, and the female lead and the male lead don't sing in it. It's just a show, uh, a funny, romantic, you know, detective you know, comedy, uh, and uh, Ellen Green, who plays Audrey, is in that show, and she, and other than, like, her hair being a little bit different, well, a lot different, from here, you know, she's got the short blonde hair, in this other show, she's got very short black bob, but uh, same voice, same style, same uh, personality, so they basically just kind of took that character and popped it into this other show, and mm-hmm. uh, it works really well for her, I mean, with her, with her squeaky <laughs> voice, with her high-pitched voice, and then with her great singing voice, like it's uh, I was really happy to, again, mm-hmm. like one of those things where when I watched it when I was a little kid, a, a little shop of horrors, I mean, I didn't make a memory of her that well. And then moving on and seeing this TV show, which I think came out in, I want to say oh nine, and it only had about two seasons before it got canceled. And then remembering like, hey, you know, now watching him like, hey, now making the connection and seeing how it's uh, they took all the same good qualities of Audrey and put them in a new character. And it was it was nice. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I really like that show, Pushing Up Daisies. I hope they make a movie. Yeah, she's definitely one of those actresses that I've seen in other stuff. She's really familiar. It's like, oh, I couldn't think of what I recognized her from, but it's like, I know she's been in... I looked at her IMDb, and she's been in a ton of stuff on TV and movies. So she did a remake. Well, you were saying to you that she was in the stage production of Little Shop, which was recent, where Seymour is played yes. by Jake Gyllenhaal, right? Gyllenhaal? Well, she was they in like, the original one. Um, I don't know if she was in one I think after. John's going to look it up. Are you going to look? No, okay. he's going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> All right. Well, I remember like just uh, seeing some images online of... Uh, of her and, and Jake Gyllenhaal in 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 costume and positions that would imply that he's that he's uh, Seymour and she's Audrey. All right, yep. I'm looking at it now. Yes, yeah, so you have Jake Gyllenhaal as Seymour, uh, Ellen Green as Audrey, 
don't really recognize a ton of these names, though, for the other characters. But it looks like it came out in 2015. Okay. A different time. Yeah, I can't say I've seen this. I wonder if there's a, uh, a video of it online. So you were saying that like fear of New York plants is... Can you remind me of the word? Botanophobia. But then well, it's I, like botanophobia. We found another one, uh, dendrophobia. But that's specifically for trees? Oh, dendrophobia? <laughs> is that what it is? Fear of uh, plants. Yeah, well, the fear, we that's fear of trees. <laughs> Nah, fear of trees. Nah. Which one? There's a few different words. A fear of trees versus fear of plants. And I'm going to do a month of fear of just trees. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's right. just splitting hairs. <clears throat> it's just us talking about tree munch for an entire a month. <laughs> I'll get People short. short too. <laughs> mm hmm. What do you guys think? So, uh, are we, did we exhaust the conversation so, around Little Shop of Horrors? It was good music, of Pretty course. Fantastic, yeah. All that was was really good. Well, the music changed a lot from the actual soundtrack what? too, from what really? you see in the movie. Really? Yes. Nice. Yeah, like did no, you no, no, check out the original? Nothing's like the same. Between oh, the two. you mean like the original? I mean, they're the same. Wow. They're similar songs, but you like mean... they're not the same renditions. Okay. No, for this one. How is the original different? I'm gonna check that shit. Out. I don't think I've seen the original. Uh, oh, okay. Just, but you uh, just were hearing that the music for the original play was the, it was reworked. Well, the, for the movie, the, the soundtrack in this one, the songs differ from what's actually in the movie. Mm-hmm. Was I don't know that the original really made was a musical, songs for was the it? Movie version. Well, not the the original Roger Corman was just a regular movie, but mm-hmm. the I mean the compared to the play, it was a stage play, I think, first, right? Yeah, in eighty two. And I'm pretty sure I recognized the Mankin, the guy who did the kind of musical adaptation for this movie. I think he is like a famous musical guy, but I forgot to look him up, but I'm pretty sure he's done some big stuff. Well, he, he did a lot of like Disney stuff. He did like little mermaid and beauty and the beast. Right. He's a Disney guy. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Huh? Yeah. All those Disney animated musicals. Nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah. It's a hit. <laughs> Was he Phantom of the Opera too? Did he do that at all? Um, I'm not a- sure. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I remember he also did um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, nice. Yeah. At least writing the songs for that. I don't think he actually composed that one. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But yeah, uh, so what I was going to say. What are we thinking I about thought we doing were gonna for do the, happening. the next week? It's happening. Is it the happening? Yeah, Is that yeah, what you're doing? You keep, you keep saying the happening. What you want. Uh, okay, so <laughs> so from the high, from the Little very shop. high highs of uh, Little Shop oh, of Horrors to the very low lows <laughs> of 
the happening. <laughs> We're going to experience the range of yeah, I, I cinematic can, I, quality. I can, I can already tell you right now, oh, I goodness. absolutely well, let's talk hate trash that about movie. It for four hours. <laughs> well, it's fun. Exactly. Sometimes it's fun to trash a movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got Marky Mark, uh, of course, who I... I believe he's the one who's the main character of the happening versus trees that are, uh, I guess, taking it, taking the world back from humanity. Yeah. Because, you know, turns out problem was man. Exactly. (laughs) Man is the real monster. So, T, do you have one that you're going to bring or are you still deciding? (laughs) Oh, I already know what mine is. I just haven't shared it yet. Oh, that's right. It's a, so, a surprise announcement. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a surprise. I did link it last week. I probably didn't look at it. Oh. I'll, I'll post it. Um, I'll, and then I'll, who I'll gets post number it four? It later. Okay. Should we flip a coin? Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll figure something out. And then winner yeah, we'll have to... with the other person? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Randomized. <laughs> Entry. We should see if do, do a little searching too, and see if there's anything that's kind of good and obscure that maybe we haven't seen, or mm-hmm. a, a movie from yes. another country Sword. or something. Story horror. Yeah. Hmm. 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 Yeah, we'll see what else is out there. But mine's a newer release that came out in 2021. There's that. Um, I think there's oh, a movie okay. from Hungary mm-hmm. or, or Poland. That uh, when I was looking stuff up, where it's a, it looks like a baby that's also a plant that's killing people. I don't know. It looked very creepy, so that might be a good choice. <laughs> there is a mythological creature that's like a plant-based kind of baby creature. It looks like a little little baby, but it's a plant. It's like a seed. Nice. And uh, yeah, I think I, I'm not sure what country it originates from, but there that is a thing. So there is kind of precedence for the the plant based mm-hmm. kind of supernatural mm-hmm. creature thing. Hmm. I feel like with CGI, yeah. you could do a good plant monster movie. It was tough in the old days because you know how do you. And you know you have the trees in Evil Dead too, but they will rape which you, so you don't gotta look be very careful. realistic. <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah, with, I think with CGI we could potentially have some good plant movies. Agreed. Filmmakers out there get on that. Yeah, we need we need a new attack that killer. <laughs> you know, I've never seen that one. Oh yeah, we didn't think of that one. <laughs> really. I, I saw it as a kid. I, know, I barely remember. That, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's just the... That's what I always hear. Is he really? Yeah. The uh, rumor? It's been so he, long since I've seen it. He must He must have been a little kid if he's in it, because it's from like, I think he's like, mid, a, like a teenager. 70s, I think. Something like that. What do you that. think, T? Do you, did you find him? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you fine? I don't see him on the IMDb. It was another movie he was in that's <laughs> cheesy horror. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> oh, maybe. I'm checking to see if he was I... in the sequel. Mm-hmm. Let's see. 
Oh, is there a sequel? There is, huh? Yeah, it came out. It's it's a sequel. Is he in that? It's Return of the Killer Tomato season. Oh, right. Yeah, right. there you go. Oh, he's... A- yes. Oh, okay. Partially <laughs> right, and that's... So you were, you were partially That's right. just as close as I get, just, too, to be That right. just wasn't the first one. <laughs> partially right. <laughs> nice. And he was also, of course, in the Facts of Life 80s TV show. Pretty hunky dude. But, you know, that's another story. He's no Rick Moranis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oh, no, no, no. I was thinking of Martin Short. But it was Martin Short. I was about to say, I thought yeah, of something that Rick Moranis vibe. did, I never but then had I realized that I was thinking Short. of Martin Short. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Rick Moranis just always had the uh, super gentle, <laughs> sweet dude in glasses, you know, with sweater vests. It's pretty good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Strange Brew. Get, definitely anyone that hasn't seen Strange Brew, go and rent that and watch that. That's a good Rick Moranis movie for sure. Just remember, at the end of the day, if you have a plant that only feeds off of blood, definite red flag. Oh, that reminded me too. <laughs> by the way, I was because th- you know thinking about monster plants and how someone—I I forget in the movie—but yeah, someone describes right? it as being like a Venus flytrap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking of how horrifying a Venus flytrap would actually look yeah. if it was really big, like Audrey too, with those with those long teeth things that they have, that would actually be almost more of a horror. I mean, like, picture, yeah, they're pretty, know. they're pretty creepy as it is. <laughs> the real world. Mm-hmm. Audrey's almost kind of more <laughs> cute, you know, even he's when personality. He, he's he big, really he's still kind of cute the way he acts. Oh yeah, my that's God. When, uh, that's when he has the saplings. <laughs> it's so hard to be mad at fucking uh, mm-hmm. Audrey too. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. It really is, though, kind of like Gremlins, the story, right? Because it's like they get this thing that's cute, and they're like, oh, it's this cute, weird thing that we got. And then it goes crazy and haywire and causes all this mayhem and causes the end of the world. Although in Gremlins, we get Gremlins, too, but, you know. Well, like they also—they also, they also like keep on and like sell them and like get one in every single household for like right. a new family pet, much like mm-hmm. in this as well. Hmm. I don't think so. They never made a sequel to this, did they? You said there was a, a cartoon, huh? No, Little Shop. No. Yeah, there was a cartoon that came out afterwards. I mean, which yeah, the dark aspects. Because I, was, I watched like, a lot of cartoons in the 80s and 90s. I watched cartoons when I was way too old to watch cartoons. And then I got into anime. And- <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. when, I was, the, when I was in high school, uh, they in the morning, getting ready before going to school, they would play G.I. Okay. Joe and Transformers back to back. So it was kind of like, That's hilarious because I'm currently on a Bob's Burgers binge. I start them from like first episode, and I don't know if you guys realize this, (laughs) but they've been on for 12 years. It's a really long time. In my brain, Mm -hmm. it's still like three or four. And then when I actually went back, I was like, holy Mm -hmm. shit. But you and (laughs) it's not not to not to go into a Bob's Burgers review, but. 
I did notice like in the first couple of episodes, I think they were really trying to compete with Family Guy. And so a lot of the content was really like uh, kind of pushing the envelope and a little on the racy side. But uh, it, as the as the show developed and the, the characters really settled, uh, it got more towards the uh, sweet family or like, you know, still funny, still sort of uh, um, slightly edgy, but only with some of the jokes, but a lot sweeter. And and Louise really calmed down and mellowed out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's a really good show. I really like it. It's my mm-hmm. my happy place. I, it really <laughs> relaxes me. <laughs> Yeah, so the the cartoon series came out in '91 under the name Little Shot. No, it was only one season. Does it say where you can find it? It's probably on YouTube. I'm just like, no, I, I don't. I don't know. I'm just looking at Wikipedia. But this is another one of those movies that had like a board game come out, like obviously for you know merchandise purposes. Very similar to the alligator one, except in this case. Uh, you're basically trying to feed Audrey to marbles, like and then it will like clamp down on you. So if you, if you get oh, bit, it's probably like you're, that, uh, if you get bit, you're basically you were saying the alligator game too now, where you try to put down a tooth each time to see oh, yeah. which one's the the one that you know like battleship. That's no fun. I like I like games mm-hmm. with like cards in them and stuff. And then you know, it bites down, yeah. <laughs> Except for Monopoly, that shit drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. I almost divorced my husband over a game of Monopoly. Yeah, that game is horrible. It really is. <laughs> Monopoly is horrible. Horrible. Or or really great, depending <laughs> on how you want to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> I was. I, I, someone was saying, and I realize it's really true that uh, almost nobody plays Monopoly by the actual rules. Mm-hmm. That basically everybody has the their sort really? of house rule method of playing that they grew up playing. But if you act, but if you actually go back and read the rule book, like it's like most people are not actually. Well, that, that, uh, good. That, that means that we can start a whole <laughs> new fight whenever we play Monopoly again, <laughs> break up the rule book. Definitely. Yeah, I'll show up. It's still what <laughs> end with, without, you know, the table getting flipped. <laughs> yeah, or someone's feelings getting hurt, you know, part. just part of the course. Mm-hmm. It's not that I'm a sore loser, sore John. Loser. <laughs> it is that I tend to, um, it, when I'm playing board games, and if, if my husband Joe's uh, in the mix, I naturally will try to help him along. Even during my turn, I won't, like, I'll go after somebody else. I won't go after him. But he doesn't, and he forgets that I do this. And so he'll even inevitably like go after me at some point, and then I get really hurt. And then all I do is focus on him and try to crush him in the game. It's really unhealthy. This. And then where it's like, well, if you attack you. this person, you win, or you can go after Joe, and you can both lose. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do the second thing. That's what I'm going to do. Pretty much. If I'm going out, you're going out with for me. Like two days. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Um, <laughs> nice. Similar to uh, <laughs> the happening in terms of terrible experience. I can't wait. I cannot remember this movie, so I can't wait to watch it. So Just I can to tie it back. So I can openly hate it. Yeah, same. 
I know. I'm actually looking forward to watching it because I've never seen it. So now I have a reason to watch it. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to the horribleness of it. Mm-hmm. And Although Max, maybe I'll... that's what the podcast is for, you know, <laughs> introducing you to terrible things. Definitely. Although it's possible that I could end up having end up liking it and then have the take that it's actually a good movie. You're pretty good. I'll at try that to too. rationalize how it's actually. And you got good. he like changed my opinion. No, like, you know, I was gonna bash it. I don't know. John makes a really good point. Baby, mm-hmm. it's it actually meta. It's cool that way. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'll try. I'll see if I can see. I'll see if I can find the positive. Maybe I can. Get into the mind of. I feel like M. that's Night not going to be too hard. Figure out where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. I've also never seen his mermaid. His movie, mermaid, which movie. I hear which is one was that? pretty terrible. Does anybody remember? <laughs> oh, what is it called? God, what's the name of the? I'm trying to remember. We watched this at one of the conjecture and oh, watch okay. parties. Is it the lady? The lady in the water. Oh, shit. There's like a mermaid in his apartment. There's an actual mermaid uh, horror movie that's pretty good. It's about mermaid, you know, mermaids that are like, you know, they go clubbing with you on a yacht at night, and then it turns out that they're man-eaters, and they eat you. Well, they eat you and on the yacht, I think. They pull you into the water. In the water or some shit like that. And and it's like uh, Eastern European, and I think it's on the Criterion app. And it's all like that blue tinted, everything sucks kind of <laughs> kind of style. Mm-hmm. It's good. You gotta check that out. Mm-hmm. If it's on Criterion, that must mean it's a legit movie. Nice. I gotta check that out. That, we, yeah, we never did a fear mermaid mermaids? movie with fear of <laughs> Just water. Just mermaids a whole month. month. Then we could do a whole month <laughs> of unicorns. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm picking the Little Mermaid. Then <laughs> there, there, there is a phobia for uh, <laughs> mermaids. Definitely, there's got to be a phobia for everything. I think at this point. Oh, you would you would think, but some of them are like so generalized that hey, you know it's hard to pinpoint. Practically mm-hmm. endless <laughs> fear of mermaids. We'll never run out of phobias. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't be afraid of mermaids when there's sharks. I mean, (laughs) that's a real thing to be scared of in the water. They will actually eat you. Well, fears aren't always, Mm -hmm. you know, rational. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, of course, of course. Yeah, we still have to do the personal fears. Mm -hmm. I don't want the world to know what my personal fears are. I'm already uh, thinking about it, and I'm just like, "Mm." (laughs) hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Maybe just not. just use That'll Joe's work. fears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then by the time we actually get around to it, people will forget. So, you know, it'll be fun. Mm. <laughs> All right. Mm. So, yeah, the happening next week here on Handle with Scare, that should uh, be something. How long did we go so this time? of an experience. See it on the sure, screen. we'll go with that. That's not too bad. Okay. Like an hour ten right now hour and ten mm-hmm. 
Uh, and by the way, I did I did see Jaws in theaters this past week for Labor Day because they released it in IMAX wow. and uh, also 3D. Made like 3.3 million, which is pretty good. Nice. But I had a great time. That was that was a cool Absolutely. experience. And you know, I'm not going to pass up an opportunity to see Jaws in theaters. Is it for? Is it Labor Day? Does the movie take place during Labor Day or is it Fourth of July? It's holiday. Fourth of July. Oh, okay. I thought it might have been Labor. They released it for Labor Day because it takes place during Labor Day. But that's cool. It was an IMAX. Mm-hmm. Nice. That would be kind of crazy. Now it's a pretty packed crowd too, which was nice to see. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I gotta go to more of the Alamo Draft. We have the Alamo what? Draft House here, and they've been having the whole Tuesday nights, mm-hmm. um, which I think I haven't is booked Tuesday myself on night. a Tuesday night. I have Mondays and Tuesdays free where I don't have any uh, social obligations. <laughs> this is my Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I saw the. I saw, we went to uh, Return mm-hmm. of the Living Dead recently, there, mm-hmm. which I think we talked about just a couple yep. weeks ago in the episode. Yeah, no, definitely. The theater is coming back. Yep, and I'm in the middle of doing uh, 61 Days of Halloween, so I've been streaming 80s That's a lot of horror movies every night. Nice. Yeah, tonight we're doing uh, Pumpkinhead. Nice. So that should be fun. But anyways, yeah. uh, I think it's time that we close up shop for tonight. Of course, if you guys want to uh, keep in contact with the podcast, you can find us over on Twitter at HandleWithScare. Uh, you can also reach us via email at handlewithscarepod at gmail.com. Also, just as a reminder, next week for our continuation of Botanophobia, we have The Happening, directed by M. Night, uh, for better or worse. You know, like, we'll, we'll see how everyone sees that movie. Should be interesting. Uh, Sucker. I saw it in theaters. <laughs> haven't watched it since. For my, for my own reasons. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah, that that'll well, we'll see how that one goes because there's definitely some things in that movie that just don't really make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> but until then, guys, I hope everyone enjoys their week, and we will see you guys back next episode. Take care. <laughs>